Well, good morning, church. Good to see you all here in the building as well as uh, those of you joining online. Uh, I'm not feeling that well today, so I would appreciate your prayers. Um, But at the same time, uh, I am ready to teach and preach the Word of God, and so we'll do that here in just a moment. But before we get into the scriptures today, you know, this um, celebration that we do every year, Uh, around this time is uh, remembering um, those who gave their lives in the theater of war so that you and I could continue to enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy. And that is what we are remembering tomorrow on Memorial Day. And as I think about Memorial Day, I want us to do a couple of things. I want us to remember those who died so that we could enjoy the liberties that we do, primarily the religious freedom that they died to protect. But also I want us to remember the families of those who were left behind, who did not have their son or daughter, husband, wife, mother or father or friend return from um, combat. And we want to remember those families who are grieving and Memorial Day is a little different in their households than perhaps for those of us who are not mourning a lost loved one um, that served in our nation's military. But I want us to be mindful of that and be thankful and be grateful, and I want us to pray for them. And so I would ask that you would pray for them tomorrow as well as I want us to pray for them today. My mind also goes to eternity. And when we think about death, I always think about eternity And I wonder how many of those men and women who lost their lives in the field of combat knew Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. As much as we appreciate their sacrifice, we need to also remember that it is our job as followers of Jesus to preach the good news of Jesus and to point hearts and lives to Jesus because we all have a time where we're going to pass away. And we want to make sure that we take as many people to heaven with us. Amen, church? My heart goes one more place before we pray when I think about Memorial Day. And it's a place that often I I don't think a lot of us think about, but I want to challenge you to think this way this year on Memorial Day. There's two two sides to conflict in the theater of war. And I want us to think about those who were on the opposing sides who may uh, have been fighting for their ideals and their thoughts and the things that they thought were Um, motivating factors to want them to get into conflict and to serve their nation's military or to serve whatever uh, source or end that they were pursuing. I want us to think about those who died as well, and I want us to think about their eternity and their souls. That's why it's so important that we continue to support our missionaries, amen? And it's so important that we continue to be invested in sharing the gospel all over the world. And so with those thoughts in mind, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we all have to gather here as free men and women in this nation, and we thank you for those who paid the price for us to be able to continue to gather freely. We thank you, Lord, for their sacrifice, and Lord, we pray for the family members who are left behind mourning. We pray that you would comfort them by the comfort of your Holy Spirit, We pray that you would draw hearts and lives to Jesus Christ as people are faced with their own mortality and maybe 
dealing with all sorts of grief, may they lean into you, may they see you as the hope for not only here in this life, but for the life after, Lord. We also pray for those who may be on the other side of conflict, who have lost their loved ones, and we pray, Father, that you would lead them to Jesus as well, that you would draw them to the hope of our salvation and help us to do our part to continue to proclaim and support those who are proclaiming the gospel all around the world so that we can be the city set on a hill, pointing other people to Jesus, the hope of our salvation. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We started a new series last week called Engage, and we talked about discovering the gift of God on the inside of you. There's another piece to that because discovering is only half the equation. Today we're going to talk about developing that gift because there's another piece to this. Yes, we need to say, uh, yes, Lord, here am I. We need to raise our hand and say, Lord, I'm looking for opportunities. I'm looking for needs and I'm willing to serve and I'm willing to do whatever it is you may be putting in front of me and I'm going to trust you, uh, Lord, with that step of faith when I say yes to those opportunities. But once we begin this journey, we need to also understand that we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to develop those gifts of God on the inside of us. And I just want us to think for a minute back to maybe one of the first times that you were ever entrusted with someone else's property or someone else's family member or someone else's uh, uh, care to be able to care for something that wasn't necessarily yours, but it was very important to another person. Maybe for some of you that would have been when you babysat. You cared for, say, a neighbor or a family member's child. Or perhaps you house set and you, you know, took care of their home while they were away on vacation. Or you took care of the dog of a neighbor or what have you. It's a strange feeling when the person who is ultimately responsible for that leaves you in charge. And here you are left in charge of someone else's stuff or someone else's family member or someone else's pet. And it's not yours, but you're responsible for it while they're gone away. It's quite a weight. It's a really interesting feeling because you're being entrusted with something that's very important to those people. And it's also true of the Christian that when you and I have been given gifts from God, when we have his spirit on the inside of us and he has given us gifts as he sees fit, they are to be used for his glory and every one of us have a gift and every gift matters and we are to be using that gift as a good steward, understanding that it's from God but it's also to God and I am to be a good steward and be responsible. But how do I, how do, I do that? Where do I even start? So today we're going to spend time in the book of Matthew, and we're going to go to the 25th chapter. So if you have your Bible today, we're going to go all the way through Matthew chapter 25, and in Matthew 25, there are three sets of parables or short stories with a point that Jesus was communicating. And he gave these three parables, and they all build off of one another, and they all have to do with eternity, and they all have to do with responsibility. And they all have to do with priority. And Jesus is wanting us to catch what matters most to him. He wants us to understand what matters most in the kingdom of God. And he wants the things that matter most to him to matter most to us. So in Matthew chapter 25, let's read the first of three parables here as we go verse 1 through 13. Let's read this. 
Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. You see, these virgins all knew it was part of their responsibility to make sure that they were prepared, to make sure that they were using what they had been given wisely and to make sure that they were prepared for the journey. They all fell asleep, every one of them, both the five wise and the five foolish. So the difference wasn't the fact that they fell asleep. The difference was, were they prepared? Were they ready? Were they anxiously awaiting? Had they prioritized and thought through the things they needed to think about in order to be ready when the bridegroom called. That was the whole point of them waiting. Five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. And it is our job to accept responsibility for our gifts by the way that we prioritize our lives. In the exact same way that it was the responsibility of all 10 of those virgins to accept the responsibility that they had while they were waiting. Some of them were waiting, thinking it's somebody else's job. Someone else is going to do it. And that's a lot of times how we as followers of Jesus are. We think that somebody else is going to take care of this. Someone else is going to do it. It's someone else's responsibility. And then when it comes time to actually do what we were called and created to do, some people, they're just not ready. Some people are, some people aren't, because some people made it a priority to say yes to greater things. Some people made it a priority to think in line with what God would have us to think. And some people think, I'll take care of it later. I'll do it later. And we pass the monkey or we pass the buck or we pass something. We're always passing something. I don't know. Maybe it's my medication. I don't know. But, <clears throat> but the oil needed for the journey is our responsibility. In other words, we must live our lives with a priority, understanding that Jesus is coming soon. Amen? If we live our lives with that type of priority, everything in our lives will be filtered through that. Everything. Everything. That means that my time, I realize, is not my own. I'm a steward. That means that the resources I've been entrusted with are not my own. I'm a steward. That means that the relationships God brings me, the opportunities he places in front of me, they're not mine. I am a steward. It is my responsibility to make sure that I'm living with a kingdom priority. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is going to be like this. This is how this is going to go. There's going to be some people who accept the responsibility and some people who think it's someone else's responsibility. There's going to be some people who are ready and some people who aren't. There's going to be some people who live with the right priorities in their lives, and there's going to be others thinking, oh, I'll just sit here and rest and wait, and someone else will do it for me. But Jesus is coming soon.
And we need to prepare the way by lighting our way, yes, and also lighting the way for those around us to see, indeed, what it means to live with a kingdom priority. So Jesus goes right out of that parable, talking about responsibility to living in light of eternity into this parable. Let's read Matthew 25, 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, into that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, man. Wow. He's talking about talents. And in this context, he's speaking about money. He's talking about there was money that was entrusted to these servants by a master. Now, back in that day, the talent was actually a weight of precious metal, and it is the largest weight in Scripture regarding currency or coins or, or metal, precious metals and things like that. And it was about 75 pounds was what a talent equaled, one talent. 75 pounds of gold, 75 pounds of whatever. Everybody was after what the most precious metal was at the time. That's a lot of precious metal. That's just one talent. To put this into perspective, one talent was equal to 6,000 days wage of your median average Joe worker. So you would have to work 6,000 days in order to have earned one talent. That's a lot of days to work. And so when we hear about the servant just getting one talent, we think, oh, that's not a lot. Oh, that is a lot. <laughs> That's a lot if you think about that in the context of that weight and that measurement. And so here you've got three different people who have all been entrusted 
with something that didn't belong to them, but they were expected to do something with it. Now, we don't know exactly what they were instructed to do with it or how much instruction was given. That wasn't the point. The point is that there was an expectation from the master for them to do something with it. Two did something, one didn't. And I found this very interesting when I was studying this and preparing for this message, that the two that went and doubled the talents that they were given, both the five that turned into the, 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 the 10 and then the two that turned into the four, both of those received the exact same blessing from the master. So it wasn't about the amount. It wasn't like the master was like, oh, you did more than this person. And we know this because he gave them the exact same praise. He gave them the exact same reward. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. Now I'm going to make you a ruler over much. Really? You call five talents little? That's like 30,000 days of work. That's a lot. And you went and doubled that? Are you kidding me? You call that little? We would call that much. But he says, no, you've been faithful over what I've entrusted you with. And now go... You're going to be trusted with more. You're going to be a ruler over much. You've been good and faithful. And so it wasn't about the amounts because he didn't give praise to the different ones. He gave them the exact same praise because he gave them those gifts, not because more was better. He gave them to them based on their ability and he knew their ability and he knew what they could do and he gave each one of them responsibility so it doesn't matter how impressive to man that your gift may be whether it's on a stage or whether it's something done that no one else may know about something that may be behind closed doors it doesn't matter how many people know that you do it it doesn't matter how big it is in the eyes of man god is looking for faithfulness amen church and we are all like these three who were given these talents. We are all stewards. We are responsible for taking what God has given us, no matter how big or small it may appear to man, and being faithful with it because the king expects increase and he rewards faithfulness. He wants us to do something with what we were given. Amen? We're all going to be held accountable to this, every one of us. And so we talked about this last week, that every one of us, we all have a starting place. We all need to start somewhere, and we need to do something. And we need to say yes to what is in front of us. We need to say yes to the opportunities that are in front of us. And it's not always what we thought. It wasn't always what we had dreamed of. But we need to do something and we need to say yes to the greater things that are in front of us. Amen, church? Every one of us need to start right here by doing something with the opportunities in front of us instead of waiting till everything is perfect before we say yes. So many times people feel inadequate and they allow the intimidation and the lies of the enemy to keep them from saying yes to the opportunities in front of them. Maybe, oh, when I'm not quite so busy. 
And all we think of is in terms of limits. Oh, maybe, maybe when, you know, uh, uh, the right thing comes along, or I just don't know what my gift is. I, you know, I, I just, I'm not sure what to do. And we're waiting for like a light to shine on our bed in the middle of the night and for a voice to cry out from heaven that says, this is what I want you to do, you know. And it speaks in the King James, you know, uh, tongue, thou shallest doeth thisith. You know, and, and, and it's always going to be children's ministry or Africa. It's one of the two. It's always one of those two things. <laughs> and, 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 and we're afraid that we're going to get it wrong. We're afraid we're going to mess it up. And we make a bunch of excuses or we do like the five foolish virgins. And we want to show up to the party, but we don't really want to be prepared. We don't want to take responsibility. We don't want to be a good steward. We just want to sit on the talent because what if we mess it up? I mean, what if we, what if we, what if we lose? What if we actually get it wrong? Well, guess what? You, you probably are going to get it wrong. So I hope that helps you today. <laughs> because God's grace is bigger than your mistakes. That's a lack of faith and trusting in the grace of God because we're saying, God, unless I get it right, I can't do it. Instead of us saying, no, greater is he who's in me. Amen? It's actually him in me. It's not me in me. You see, this isn't about me getting the accolades or me taking the credit. This isn't about me getting recognized. This isn't about my name being in lights or someone applauding me. No, this is about me being a good steward of what God has entrusted me with, no matter how big or small in the eyes of man it may be. And I need to start somewhere and get engaged. And when I do, it helps me to not only discover my gifts, but it helps me to develop my gifts. Because all of us, we will all be held accountable for the stewardship of the gifts that we were given. Every one of us. We will be held accountable. We see this in scripture, that we will all be held accountable to what we were entrusted with. And often what you start out doing is not what you end up doing, but you have to start somewhere. In order to develop the gifts that God has given you, you have to start somewhere by saying yes to the current opportunities. Man, when I started out in ministry, first of all, uh, I thought I was going to be a youth pastor forever. Like that was my dream. I wanted to be the old guy who's like, you know, in his, you know, 70s, who's the youth pastor, you know, socks and sandals and cargo shorts and, you know, like wearing a Hawaiian shirt, you know, or, or maybe like a shirt with flames on it because I'm on fire for God. And, um, and that was my dream to be the old guy youth pastor that, you know, uh, just was super fun and um, maybe helping mentor other youth pastors. I remember when I asked my soon-to-be father-in-law 21 years ago for his daughter's hand in marriage, he told me, he said, well, um, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> That's what he told me. And, uh, and uh, he, he, he didn't take very seriously what I felt called to do. And he said, what are you going to do after this youth ministry thing is over? And I said, what do you mean? I'm going to do this forever. That was my vision for my life. He said, well, what do you mean? And, and so he wouldn't let me marry his daughter until I went out and got a real job. So uh, for about seven months before the church made me full-time, I was part-time youth pastor. And then I spent seven months uh, actually working at a munitions plant 
actually putting together bombs. So yeah, I used to build bombs for about seven months on an assembly line. And that was the only way I could get married. Uh, thank God where I, where I started, I didn't end up. Um, but at the same time, I look at how God used all of that. And I could tell you stories. When people would tell me, I think you could be a senior pastor, or I think you know, God uh, has his hand on your life to be a you know, senior pastor or whatever, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I wanted to be a, a worship guy, or I wanted to be a, a, a youth guy. And, and that's what I thought my trajectory was. And those were the skills that I began to try to develop. But yet God used all of those things to continually develop me to get me to where he has me now in this place. And as I look back on all that, I see the hand of God at every step of the way. But what I started out doing was not what I ended up doing. So that means that whatever you say yes to, even if you love it, or even if it may be a challenge, it's probably not going to be where you end up. Maybe it will be, but it may not be. So be okay with that. Be okay with change. Be okay with knowing that this is part of the journey. And I promise you, God is going to use it, and you're going to be able to look back on it when you got engaged and when you said yes, and when you started doing something, you'll be able to look back on where you started, and you'll see how God used that to develop the gift that he put on the inside of you. It's part of our responsibility as stewards. It's what we're called to do, and we need to remember we will all be held accountable for the stewardship of the gifts that we were given. That means that God has entrusted you with X amount of wealth, X amount of years, X amount of abilities, X amount of availability, whatever the case may be. And what you do with it matters. What you say yes to matters. Because, as we learn in the parable of the ten virgins, eternity matters. Amen? Eternity matters. And it matters right now. And we need to stop worrying about ourselves and prioritizing our own pleasure and prioritizing our, our own ambitions that are filled with all of the excuses to why we can't say yes to opportunities in front of us. And we need to start prioritizing his kingdom by using and developing our gifts. Let's go just flip back for a moment to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus addresses the same type of mentality he says this in Matthew 6 and verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious... Which of you worrying can even add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, Oh, what are we going to eat? Or what will we drink? Or what are we going to wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father already knows that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see, it's backwards from the way we would think. We think, oh, I'll start doing something for God and engaging. I'll start using my gifts and discovering and developing my gifts once I get these things accomplished in life. 
once I get through this season. I mean, it's just a really busy season right now. I'm just really overwhelmed right now. And we make all these excuses and we, and we say we'll do it when we have margin. But God didn't say do this when you have margin. God didn't say for us to say yes when it was convenient and when it made sense. He said actually flip-flop your priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You're worried about all of your own needs. You're worried about all of the things of how am I gonna get everything I wanna do accomplished? How am I gonna take care of me? And God's like, don't worry about that. I know you have need of that. I'm gonna take care of that when you prioritize the things of my kingdom first. When you say yes to his kingdom first, when you begin to take stewardship of the gift that you've been given seriously, Every one of us are called to accept this responsibility and step out in faith where there are opportunities. And it's for us to start saying yes to our current needs within our church, within our community, within our world. These are the things that God has put in front of us. And these are the things that when we understand our stewardship responsibility that we will say yes to. And we all start somewhere and we all need to do something But then as we grow in developing that, as we want to sharpen that, we need to take a step. And as we continue to do something, we need to clarify what it is that God has gifted us in and what he's called us to do. So yes, there is stepping out. There is doing something. But as I begin to do, I need to clarify. What does that mean for me to clarify? That means that I need to evaluate I need to take a step back and I need to see, is this indeed what God has gifted me to do? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I need to ask those questions. A great way to ask these types of questions would be to talk to people who also are called to do the thing that you're involved in and see what is it that they've done to continue to develop and strengthen those gifts. And so part of it is evaluating and part of it is to ask questions. We need to not be afraid to ask questions of people who are further down the road than we are in the thing that we feel that God has given us that opportunity to do. And then here's the hard part. Uh, I'm scared to write it. We need to be willing to... to change. And guess what? It's okay. It's okay to change because sometimes I say yes to something and maybe God wanted to use that for a season. We get so plugged into this idea of thinking that whatever I say yes to has to be the right perfect thing and I don't want to get it wrong that we never say yes to anything. Can I just tell you to start somewhere, do something, evaluate, ask questions, and if that's not the thing that God has necessarily gifted you in, it's okay to do something else. It's okay to try something else. We can't be afraid to change or afraid to try. A lot of times we we may start off doing something thinking, well, maybe that's it because there's a need there, and as we do it, we realize that's not the thing that perhaps we're gifted or called to do because we find ourselves continually hitting a wall or maybe we're just not producing good fruit in it or maybe we're just struggling with it the entire time. And if we ask questions, if we evaluate, if we pray, don't be afraid to say, well, what if I tried 
something else. Because a lot of times, part of that clarifying will be doing this. It'll be, you, you will be uh, identifying a burden or identifying a passion or identifying an interest. As I'm, into, as, I, as I'm identifying maybe a burden God's given me, as I'm identifying maybe a passion that he's stirring up with me. But you see, I would have never gotten here if I wouldn't have started there. It's like Christmas lights, okay? We have this wonderful, wonderful tradition of Christmas lights. Why we store these things, I don't know. We just need to throw them away and buy them when they're on sale for the next year. Because when you try to plug them back up after saving them, what always happens? There's some that don't work. They worked last year. It doesn't make sense. And they give you these little bulbs, these little replacement bulbs with a little red tip on the end. And if you can go find the one that was out and you can magically replace it, what does it do to all the other ones? It lights them up. Because there was a short circuit somewhere. They weren't all completely lit up. They needed the circuit to be complete. But you never would get to that next step if you didn't start with that first step, because it's one thing leads to another, and the other leads to the next, and the other lead to, leads to the next, and all the while, I'm clarifying, I'm identifying, I'm understanding this burden or this passion or this interest that God has given me. This is how we develop the gift of God on the inside of us. All the while, we continue to do something, and then as we continue to grow, we need to refine our gift. So we need to clarify and we need to refine. All the while, we're still doing something. We never stop doing. We never stop serving. But as I'm identifying that burden and that passion, it now kind of gets into the place where I'm refining it. And as I'm refining it, now I've identified it. I've, I've clarified it. I know what it is that perhaps God has gifted me in, and other people have spoken into that. So now what do I need to do? I need to continue to develop that by investing in developing that gift. I need to seek out mentors. This goes back to that idea that we taught in our Are We There Yet series where we were teaching about how there's different stages of spiritual maturity and how there are those spiritual parents who can invest in us, people who help us to identify things, people who help us to refine, people that we can go to and ask questions, people that we can look at and, 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 and see what they're doing for God, and it inspires us. And then we can not only be investing in refining our own gift, but we can be investing in helping others to refine their gifts as well. I've been preaching almost every single week of my life since I was 15 years old. When I first started preaching, I was teaching a youth Sunday school class. And then my pastor let me preach on Wednesday nights. And I began to preach at our little church on Wednesday nights. And then I signed up to be a part of our church's jail ministry. I was in a band, I play the bass, and I was playing the bass guitar in our band that would go into the jail every Monday night. And then I got to where I was preaching in the jail every Monday night. I did this for three years. 
And then I became a youth pastor. And then after that, a church planter. And then after that, I became a lead pastor at a church in Arkansas and in Wisconsin and now here in Iowa. And as I see how God has used every step of that journey, I can look back and see how it was all necessary. And I see how all of it has helped bring me to where I am now. But there are people along the way who have spoken into that gift and who have helped me refine that gift. And I'm still seeking that out. I don't have my feet kicked up going, oh, I know how to put a sermon together. Oh, I know how to preach. Oh, I know how to lead. Oh, I know how to, how to, how to lead a church staff. Or I know how to, how to lead a, a board. Or I know how to make these types of decisions. Yeah, I, I've got some experience and I praise God for that, but I'm still trying to grow. I'm still trying to get better. I'm still trying to sharpen that gift because I never want to get to the place to where I'm depending on me. Let me say that again. I never want to get to the place where I'm depending on me. You see, we can get very lazy and very comfortable when it comes to depending on ourselves when we've been doing something for a while. And we get stuck in a rut. And when we get stuck in a rut, we become ineffective. We think we're doing something good, but we're no different than the hamster on the wheel that keeps running and running and running, exerting energy because I know how to run on this wheel. I'm really good at it but nothing is moving forward. I want to be found a faithful steward, amen? And that means that I go, God, I recognize what you've given is from me. And part of the humility piece to recognizing what he's given me is continuing to develop the gift that he's given me and the passion that he's given me and the interest and the burden. And I keep investing and I keep seeking and I keep growing and I never stop growing in that. That's part of stewardship. That's part of me taking that next step in not only discovering, not only doing, but continually growing as well. I want to read the last parable that Jesus spoke in Matthew 25. And I think that this parable pretty much preaches itself. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me and I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers. You did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, 
but the righteous into eternal life. The difference between the virgins, the difference between the stewards of the talents, and the difference between the sheep and the goats was what they did and what they did not do with the responsibility that they were given. And I think that when we read this portion on the sheep and the goats, we like to puff our chests out because we think we can do this and we look at it like a list. We look at it, at it as if God somehow gave us a checklist. And so we think about those six different things and we come up with ministries. Okay, well, we'll, we'll do a feeding ministry and, a, and, and we'll do a water well ministry and we'll do a clothing ministry and we'll do a, a visitation ministry to the hospital and we'll do a prison ministry and then we'll make a list and, and we'll check off all of those things and go, we're doing those things. We're doing Matthew 25. And that's not the point. It's great to have those ministries. Don't get me wrong. But the point of Matthew 25 in the story of the sheep and the goats is not so we can have a checklist to go down and go, we're doing all of those things in our church because we have a ministry for each one. That's not the point. The point is, is that these are everyday needs. These are just things that are needed. It's not an exhaustive laundry list for us to go down as Westerners and, you know, make our little black and white list and go, we're doing it and we can feel good instead of feel bad. No, what's Jesus saying? He's saying there's a need, there's an opportunity. There's something to say yes to. There's hungry people everywhere. There's thirsty people everywhere. There's people in prison everywhere. There's people who are hurting, people who are lonely everywhere. And he's not saying to just go out and make sure you have a ministry so you can feel good about it. No, he's saying when you see a need and there's an opportunity, I've gifted you as my body and I've equipped you and I've given you the responsibility as a steward to say yes, to do something, to step up, to look at what's around you. All of those examples given by Jesus are all just things that if we take the time to observe what's around us, we can see needs. And it's our responsibility to take the gifts and the, 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 the talents that he's given each one of us by his spirit as his spirit is seen fit to give us to serve, to say yes, to clarify those things, to develop those things, to be good and faithful stewards. God wants us to take him seriously. And he wants us to invest in developing the gifts that he's given us because every single gift matters. So what opportunities, what needs are currently in front of you that it's time for you to say yes to? What opportunities are just around you in our church that it's time to say yes to? What opportunities are around you at work that it's time for you to say yes to? What opportunities are in your family that it's time for you to say yes to? In your neighborhood, what has God, where has he placed you and what has he put in you to be used for his glory? Yeah, well, somebody else will take care of it. No, don't be the foolish person who's just waiting around thinking somebody else will do it. Accept responsibility to develop those gifts. And here's the beauty of it. Saying yes today to greater things helps us to not only minister to other people, but it develops something in us as well. So let's pray and ask him to help us do this. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity for us to open your word together and to be together here in this place. I pray by your spirit 
the Holy Spirit who distributes gifts to each one, Lord, that we would be found faithful in the stewardship of those gifts. We would be found faithful in the stewardship of those opportunities. And we would say yes to greater things. In Jesus' name, amen.